Hello and welcome to Reading with Carrie, Stories to Fall Asleep to, a mindfulness podcast series that can be used as a sleep aid or to ease your anxiety and relieve your stress. I am your host, Carrie Favel, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. If you are watching on YouTube, you will notice there is no craft for today's episode. I am a bit busy with things and I'm not sure that people are enjoying this on YouTube. I think this is more of a Spotify uh, <laughs> listening opportunity, which is okay with me. You know, this is supposed to be here to relax you and help you ease into either sleep or to get through the day. So if you don't want to watch it on YouTube, that is fine. That was just another outlet for you. But the crafts portion will take a little bit of a hiatus um, until I get that thing sort of situated. But right now it's taking a little bit of my time and I am very limited in my time these days. Today's episode is based off the crab and that is the zodiac sign Cancer. Cancers are born between June 21st and July 22nd. Cancers have a reputation for being hyper-emotional, temperamental, and spiteful. Don't come for me. I am just reading off of Google. Cancers are also very devoted and are extremely fond of their loved ones, oftentimes to an unhealthy degree. So if you are a cancer, just take note of your love for others and make sure that you place yourself as a higher priority. Cancers place a high value on family and close friends, and they will go to great lengths to defend them, no matter the price. I think that is absolutely beautiful. I am a Virgo, but I feel like I connect with Cancers. And um, even though, again, I don't really believe in the horoscope, this description is really cool. For our validation space, it is coming from mentalhealth.gov, link in the description. The myth is that personality weakness or character flaws cause mental health problems. People with mental health problems can snap out of it if they try hard enough. The fact is that mental health problems have nothing to do with being lazy or weak, and many people need help to get better. Many factors contribute to mental health problems, including biological factors such as genes, physical illness, injury, or brain chemistry, life experiences such as trauma or a history of abuse, family history of mental health problems. People with mental health problems can get better, and many do recover completely. Our story of the day is a Japanese folktale that I actually have not heard of before. A part of me wanted to save this story for when we get to the monkey, but because the crab is the protagonist of the story, I felt it was more poignant to have it in this episode, as it again somewhat reminds us to be careful who we put trust in and the power of friendship. Just a mild trigger warning, there is some, I would say, cartoon violence in this. Nothing is too graphic, but there is death and murder, so I just wanted to let you know beforehand. But first, as always, let's start with a brief mindfulness meditation. Close your eyes and take a posture that is relaxed, taking care to keep your back and neck in alignment. 
As you get situated, really notice your body, feeling the weight of your body on the chair, the bed, the floor, or wherever you may be in this moment. Notice the position of your feet and any sensations you can feel with them. Locate your legs and the blunt pressure on whatever seat you are on. Feel any sensations in your arms and make sure your shoulders are soft. Where are your hands resting? What are they feeling? Acknowledge any tension that you feel in your muscles and allow your body to express itself, being present in the moment. Just be aware of the tension or whatever may be happening in your body. Simply note the communication with a simple thought of, I hear you, that's how it is right now. Bring your focus to your breath, but don't alter it in any way. Just feel your body's natural rhythm as you inhale and exhale. Feel the oxygen enter your lungs, that slight hitch between inhale and exhale, and the sensation of the air exiting your lungs with another micro-moment between breaths. Let's extend our awareness to our mind. What thoughts or feelings or perceptions are present right now? Again, we are just noting these thoughts and feelings in this moment. Don't try to push or shut down any sense of discomfort or unpleasant feelings, but don't dwell on them either. Simply validate them with a simple acknowledgement, such as, that's okay, that's how it is right now. Keeping the connection you have with your body, reach your hands above your head, stretching your arms. Tense up the muscles as you breathe in and hold them in place for just a moment. And now, as you release the breath, relax your muscles and place your arms back to where they were resting comfortably before. Let's repeat this once more. Raising your hands above your head, tense your muscles in your arms and shoulders as you breathe in and hold the position as you hold your breath for just a short count of four. Then release your breath as you release your muscles and rest your arms back to where they were. Now focus back to your breathing and notice how you can relax by taking slow, deep breaths in and releasing your breath slowly out. Breathe in, hold your breath, and breathe out slowly. Breathe in and out. Keep breathing deeply, gently, and slowly. Now, notice your whole body as being present. Be aware of every part at once, as best you can, as you continue to softly and deeply breathe in and out. If you are preparing yourself for bed, continue to breathe in and out, and just listen to my voice, but do not follow. If you need to ready yourself to get back to your day, then let us now widen our spatial awareness by using our other senses. What sounds do you hear in the room other than my voice? Are there any smells you can recognize? Feel the item on which you are resting with all of your body and imagine it in your mind. 
try to picture it as accurately as you can without opening your eyes just yet. And now, take a deep breath in on an inhale of four. Hold your breath for a count of four. And on an audible sigh, release your breath as you open your eyes and fully come back. And now, here's the story. The Quarrel of the Monkey and the Crab Translated by Ye Theodora Ozaki Long, long ago, one bright autumn day in Japan, it happened that a pink-faced monkey and a yellow crab were playing together along the bank of a river. As they were running about, the crab found a rice dumpling and the monkey a persimmon seed. The crab picked up the rice dumpling and showed it to the monkey, saying, Look what a nice thing I have found. Then the monkey held up his persimmon seed and said, I have also found something good. Look! Now, though the monkey is always very fond of persimmon fruit, he had no use for the seed he had just found. The persimmon seed is as hard and uneatable as a stone. He, therefore, in his greedy nature, felt very envious of the crab's nice dumpling, and he proposed an exchange. The crab naturally did not see why he should give up his prize for a hard stone-like seed and would not consent to the monkey's proposition. Then the cunning monkey began to persuade the crab, saying, How unwise you are not to think of the future! Your rice dumpling can be eaten now and is certainly much bigger than my seed. But if you sow this seed in the ground, it will soon grow and become a great tree in a few years and bear an abundance of fine ripe persimmons year after year. If only I could show it to you then, with the yellow fruit hanging on its branches. Of course, if you don't believe me, I shall sow it myself, though I am sure later on you will be very sorry that you did not take my advice. This simple-minded crab could not resist the monkey's clever persuasion. He at last gave in and consented to the monkey's proposal, and the exchange was made. The greedy monkey soon gobbled up the dumpling and with great reluctance gave the persimmon seed to the crab. He would have liked to keep that, too, but he was afraid of making the crab angry and of being pinched by his sharp, scissor-like claws. They then separated, the monkey going home to his forest trees and the crab to his stones along the riverside. As soon as the crab reached home, he put the persimmon seed in the ground, as the monkey had told him. In the following spring, the crab was delighted to see the shoot of a young tree push its way up through the ground. Each year it grew bigger, till at last it blossomed one spring and in the following autumn bore some fine large persimmons. Among the broad smooth green leaves, the fruit hung like golden balls, and as they ripened, they mellowed to a deep orange. It was the little crab's pleasure to go out day by day and sit in the sun and put out his long eyes in the same way as a snail puts out its horn and watch the persimmons ripening to perfection. How delicious they will be to eat, he said to himself. At last, one day, he knew the persimmons must be quite ripe, and he wanted very much to taste one. He made several attempts to climb the tree, in the vain hope of reaching one of the beautiful persimmons hanging above him, but he failed each time, for a crab's legs are not made for climbing trees, but only for running along the ground and over stones, both of which he can do most cleverly. In his dilemma, he thought of his old playmate, the monkey, who, he knew, could climb trees better than anyone else in the world. He determined to ask the monkey to help him and set out to find him. Running crab fashion up the stony river bank, over the pathways, into the shadowy forest, the crab at last found the monkey taking an afternoon nap in his favorite pine tree, with his tail curled tight around a branch to prevent him from falling off in his dreams. He was soon wide awake, however, when he heard himself called and eagerly listened to what the crab told him. 
when he heard that the seed which he had long ago exchanged for a rice dumpling had grown into a tree and was now bearing good fruit, he was delighted, for he at once devised a cunning plan which would give him all the persimmons for himself. He consented to go with the crab to pick the fruit for him. When they both reached the spot, the monkey was astonished to see what a fine tree had sprung from the seed, and with what a number of ripe persimmons the branches were loaded. He quickly climbed the tree and began to pluck and eat, as fast as he could, one persimmon after another. Each time he chose the best and ripest he could find, and went on eating till he could eat no more. Not one would he give to the poor hungry crab waiting below, and when he had finished, there was little but the hard, unripe fruit left. You can imagine the feelings of the poor crab after waiting patiently for so long as he had done for the tree to grow and the fruit to ripen when he saw the monkey devouring all the good persimmons. He was so disappointed that he ran round and round the tree, calling to the monkey to remember his promise. The monkey at first took no notice of the crab's complaints, but at last he picked out the hardest, greenest persimmon he could find and aimed it at the crab's head. The persimmon is as hard as stone when it is unripe. The monkey's missile struck home, and the crab was sorely hurt by the blow. Again and again, as fast as he could pick them, the monkey pulled off the hard persimmons and threw them at the defenseless crab till he dropped dead, covered with wounds all over his body. There he lay, a pitiful sight, at the foot of the tree he had himself planted. When the wicked monkey saw that he had killed the crab, he ran away from the spot as fast as he could, in fear and trembling, like a coward as he was. Now the crab had a son who had been playing with a friend not far from the spot where this sad work had taken place. On the way home he came across his father dead, in a most dreadful condition. His head was smashed and his shell broken in several places, and around his body lay the unripe persimmons which had done their deadly work. At this dreadful sight, the poor young crab sat down and wept. But when he had wept for some time, he told himself that this crying would do no good. It was his duty to avenge his father's murder, and this he determined to do. He looked about for some clue which would lead him to discover the murderer. Looking up at the tree, he noticed that the best fruit had gone, and that all around lay bits of peel and numerous seeds strewn on the ground, as well as the unripe persimmons, which had evidently been thrown at his father. Then he understood that the monkey was the murderer, for he now remembered that his father had once told him the story of the rice dumpling and the persimmon seed. The young crab knew that monkeys liked persimmons above all other fruit, and he felt sure that his greed for the coveted fruit had been the cause of the old crab's death. Alas! He at first thought of going to attack the monkey at once, for he burned with rage. Second thoughts, however, told him that this was useless, for the monkey was an old and cunning animal and would be hard to overcome. He must meet cunning with cunning and ask some of his friends to help him, for he knew that it would be quite out of his power to kill him alone. The young crab set out at once to call on the mortar, his father's old friend, and told him of all that had happened. He besought the mortar, with tears, to help him avenge his father's death. The mortar was very sorry when he heard the woeful tale and promised at once to help the young crab punish the monkey to death. He warned him that he must be very careful in what he did, for the monkey was a strong and cunning enemy. The mortar was now set to fetch the bee and the chestnut, also the crab's old friends, to consult them about the matter. In a short time the bee and the chestnut arrived. When they were told all the details of the old crab's death and of the monkey's wickedness and greed, they both gladly consented to help the young crab in his revenge. After talking for a long time as to the ways and means of carrying out their plans, they separated, and Mr. Mortar went home with the young crab to help him bury his poor father. 
while all this was taking place, the monkey was congratulating himself, as the wicked often do before their punishment comes upon them. And all he had done so neatly, he thought it quite a fine thing that he had robbed his friend of all his ripe persimmons, and then that he had killed him. Still, smile as hard as he might, he could not banish altogether the fear of the consequences, should his evil deeds be discovered, if he were found out, and he told himself that this could not be, for he had escaped unseen. The crab's family would be sure to bear him hatred and seek to take revenge on him, so he would not go out and kept himself at home for several days. He found this kind of life, however, extremely dull accustomed as he was to the free life of the woods and at last he said no one knows that it was i who killed the crab i am sure that the old thing breathed his last before i left him dead crabs have no mouths who is there to tell that i am the murderer since no one knows what is the use of shutting myself up and brooding over the matter what is done cannot be undone with this he wandered out into the crab settlement and crept about as slyly as possible near the crab's house and tried to hear the neighbors gossip round about he wanted to find out what the crabs were saying about their chief's death, for the old crab had been the chief of the tribe. But he heard nothing and said to himself, They are all such fools that they don't know and don't care who murdered their chief. Little did he know in his so-called monkey wisdom that this seeming unconcern was part of the young crab's plan. He purposely pretended not to know who killed his father and also to believe that he had met his death through his own fault. By this means, he could the better keep secret the revenge on the monkey, which he was mediating. So the monkey returned home from his walk quite content. He told himself he had nothing now to fear. One fine day, when the monkey was sitting at home, he was surprised by the appearance of a messenger from the young crab. While he was wondering what this might mean, the messenger bowed before him and said, I have been sent by my master to inform you that his father died the other day in falling from a persimmon tree while trying to climb the tree after fruit. This, being the seventh day, is the first anniversary of his death, and my master has prepared a little festival in his father's honor, and bids you come to participate in it, as you were one of his best friends. My master hopes you will honor his house with your kind visit. When the monkey heard these words, he rejoiced in his inmost heart, for all his fears of being suspected were now at rest. He could not guess that a plot had just been set in motion against him. He pretended to be very surprised at the news of the crab's death and said, I am indeed very sorry to hear of your chief's death. We were great friends, as you know. I remember that we once exchanged a rice dumpling for a persimmon seed. It grieves me much to think that that seed was in the end the cause of his death. I accept your kind invitation with many thanks. I shall be delighted to do honor to my poor old friend. And he screwed some false tears from his eyes. The messenger laughed inwardly and thought, The wicked monkey is now dropping false tears, but within a short time he shall shed real ones. But aloud he thanked the monkey politely and went home. When he had gone, the wicked monkey laughed aloud at what he thought was the young crab's innocence, and without the least feeling began to look forward to the feast to be held that day in honor of the dead crab to which he had been invited. He changed his dress and set out solemnly to visit the young crab. He found all the members of the crab's family and his relatives waiting to receive and welcome him. As soon as the bows of meeting were over, they led him to a hall. Here the young chief mourner came to receive him. Expressions of condolence and thanks were exchanged between them, and then they all sat down to a luxurious feast and entertained the monkey as the guest of honor. The feast over, he was next invited to the tea ceremony room to drink a cup of tea. When the young crab had conducted the monkey to the tea room, he left him and retired. Time passed and still he did not return. At last, the monkey became impatient. He said to himself, This tea ceremony is always a very slow affair. I am tired of waiting so long. I am very thirsty after drinking so much sake at the dinner. 
He then approached the charcoal fireplace and began to pour out some hot water from the kettle boiling there, when something burst out from the ashes with a great pop and hit the monkey right in the neck. It was the chestnut, one of the crab's friends, who had hidden himself in the fireplace. The monkey, taken by surprise, jumped backward and then started to run out of the room. The bee, who was hiding outside the screens, now flew out and stung him on the cheek. The monkey was in great pain. His neck was burnt by the chestnut and his face badly stung by the bee, but he ran on screaming and chattering with rage. Now the stone mortar had hidden himself with several other stones on the top of the crab's gate. And as the monkey ran underneath, the mortar and all fell down on top of the monkey's head. Was it possible for the monkey to bear the weight of the mortar falling on him from the top of the gate? He lay crushed and in great pain, quite unable to get up. As he lay there helpless, the young crab came up, and holding his great claw scissors over the monkey, he said, Do you now remember that you murdered my father? Then you are my enemy? gasped the monkey brokenly. Of course, said the young crab. It was your father's fault, not mine, gasped the unrepentant monkey. Can you still lie? I will soon put an end to your death. And with that, he cut off the monkey's head with his pincher claws. Thus the wicked monkey met his well-merited punishment, and the young crab avenged his father's death. This is the end of the story of the monkey, the crab, and the persimmon seed. Thank you for listening. If you would like to support this podcast and become a sponsor, you will find an Etsy link in the description below. Thank you for your consideration. I welcome you back anytime you may need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story.